Welcome to the First Lady of Nutrition podcast. Anne Louise Gittleman is a New York Times bestselling author and visionary who has written over 37 books spanning four decades on nutrition and healthy living. For more information, check out annelouise.com. This episode of First Lady of Nutrition podcast is brought to you by Purity Coffee. Anne Louise recommends Purity Coffee because of their proprietary roasting method, which gives Purity 65% higher levels of antioxidants than any other organic coffees. Go to puritycoffee.com and enter coupon code ALG25 for 25% off your first order. And now your host, nutrition, diet, detox, and environmental visionary and the first lady of nutrition, Anne Louise Gittleman. Hey everyone, Anne Louise Gittleman here for First Lady of Nutrition. Help me welcome Dr. Ken Charlin, who's an integrative neurologist. He's a board certified neurologist and a functional medicine expert. And I'd like to know why neurological diseases are on the rise. So give uh, First Lady of Nutrition welcome to Dr. Ken Charlin. Thank you, Anne Louise. You know, I'm an integrative neurologist because in my career, which started as a very traditional neurologist, educated at highly respected institutions like Emory University and Vanderbilt University, and getting out in the community and practicing with that toolbox, ultimately, I found I was extremely limited in how I could help my patients. As you know, traditional medicine, whether it's neurology or cardiology or any of the other specialties or just general medicine and family practice, largely uh, treat through the use of drugs, pharmacotherapy, to some extent referral for surgery. And I always tell my patients, remember, whatever gets cut out probably isn't going to grow back. So let's make sure that it absolutely needs to be cut out, mm. you know. But in the end, you know, if you have, for example, high blood pressure and I give you a blood pressure medicine, it will lower your blood pressure. But then I say, well, what happens if we stop your blood pressure medicine? And my patients say, well, it'll go right back up. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Right. Exactly. And then some of your listeners may know of a convenient or uh, interesting statistic called the number needed to treat. So I explained to my patients that, in fact, while there are emergencies that relate to extremely high blood pressure, or let's say extremely high blood sugar, most of the time when we're treating blood sugar, high blood pressure, you know, uh, maybe cholesterol, I don't, of course, prescribe statin drugs or anything like that, we're really addressing what we call risk factors. And we're saying that if you take this pill, it will lower your risk of X, whether X is death, whether X is a stroke or a heart attack, you know, or the other things that may be associated with these metabolic diseases. And the shocking truth about it is that if you were the mayor of a city or the governor of a state and your uh, public health director came to you and said, hey, you know, governor or mayor, you know, I'm going to have a really big public health push to make sure that everybody who has high blood pressure gets treated because I believe that we can save thousands of people from having a heart attack or a stroke or dying before their time. And that's absolutely true. But on an individual level, this number needed to treat tells us that the vast majority of people who take these medicines will not actually benefit. 
because the number that we need to treat is actually very high, whether it's heart attack, whether it's stroke, whether it's death, in order to prevent that one event. So most of us are not actually even benefiting from the medicine that we're taking in that regard. The society benefits, but we as individuals don't, and or, or more than likely don't. You know, people are surprised to find out that things like an aspirin a day only prevents something like 15% of strokes. Right? Mm. So, yeah, but it also can cause bleeding, and that bleeding can ble be in your brain. So I, I'm not I, saying. Oh my know, goodness, I didn't even you know. realize that. Yeah. So, I, and please, I hope the listeners don't, you know, immediately run to the trash can with their pills and start dumping them in the trash. I'm definitely not giving personal medical advice and just pointing out that we are really modifying risk when we use these medications and risk is really a public health effort, uh, less so an individual one. So with that being said, you know, look, you know, being a clinician, having a brick and mortar clinic, you know, seeing patients every single day, mostly, you know, the experience was watching people just get sicker and sicker and sicker because we weren't addressing why they got sick in the first place. And the drugs have that limited benefit. So that's why it's important to be an integrative neurologist or an integrative physician as a whole, because if we don't, we leave a lot on the table. You know, statistically, uh, when we look at why we get sick, the vast majority of that pie-shaped graph, if you will, if the pie is 100%, right? And we think, oh, it's my family. Oh, it's genetics. Well, in fact, genetics plays a very small role in disease, whereas lifestyle environment play very large roles. True. And, you know, that's good news, really, because that puts us back in the driver's seat that says you can be in control. You can do something about this if you can change the aspects of lifestyle and environment that are playing a role in this disease. So are your patients willing to do that? Some of them are and some of them aren't. So that gets into the psychology of change, that gets into the narratives that we tell ourselves. You know, a common one in neurology is, well, I just thought that's getting older, right? Mm -hmm. That's old age. Right. And I say, well, remember, there's the blue zones where people typically live well beyond 100, and they are living very full lives at 100 years old, very productive lives. You know, we assume that things just happen to us just because, but I tell my patients that in fact, you know, age is really an indirect measure of the stuff of our lives, right? It's our experiences, what we've eaten, how we tend to move, very much how we tend to think because our thoughts are, you know, lead to manifestations of behaviors and are ultimately our reality. So we have to set that mindset of success, of health, of resilience, and our actions tend to follow from that. So if I were to come to you as a patient, what would you do as a traditional neurologist and what would you do as an integrative neurologist? What kind of test do you believe in? Is there one test that fits all? Well, there certainly isn't one test that fits all. So we can definitely put that aside 
but it really, you know, we are, especially in functional medicine, there's, we're sort of enamored with all kinds of tests, some of which I think are not even valid and some of which are very helpful. But the reality is that it starts with a good history. We have to be willing to sit down in the room and listen to our patients because 80% of the diagnosis is actually in the medical history. And the tragedy of traditional medicine is the doctors are spending five minutes with their patients. Patients have a long list of concerns. There's no way that anything can be accomplished in five, 10 minutes at all. True, true. Right. So we, we call this the identify uh, component of what is our five pillar system here at Charlotte Health and Neurology. So if you come in and you say, you know, I've been experiencing, uh, you know, the spectrum of symptoms, weakness, numbness, uh, you know, brain fog, fatigue, whatever it is, you know, and I say, well, tell me when it started, you know, how did it progress? You know, what makes it better? What makes it work worse? The traditional kinds of questions that go along with the medical history, that is where we begin. And then the neurological examination is critical. To a neurologist, the examination, among other things, tells us where the problem is located within the nervous system. Because the nervous system, you could think of like the planet Earth, and you say, well, where are you from? You know, how many continents do we have and how many countries on those continents? And that's a lot of, that's a lot of geography. So if you have weakness, for example, you could have weakness because you have a problem in the brain, like a stroke affects the brain, but it could be a spinal cord problem. It could be a nerve root problem. Those are the nerves that are coming right off the spinal cord, peripheral nerves, an area called the neuromuscular junction, how the nerves and muscles communicate with one another, for example, in a disease like myasthenia gravis, or it could be a muscle disease. So before we even talk about what is the actual diagnosis, we need to be thinking about localization. So the tests that you're referring to then are chosen based upon the localization and the list of reasonable explanations, what we call a differential diagnosis, but it means it could be A, B, or C, and perhaps less likely D, E, and F, right? And we say, okay, based on that, what we're gonna do is we're gonna get these blood tests, this MRI, et cetera. Uh, so we're really ultimately confirming our suspicion of that diagnosis rather than going on what I call a fishing expedition. I'm just gonna get a bunch of tests and mm -hmm. see what lands. The First Lady of Nutrition podcast is brought to you by Purity Coffee with 65% higher levels of antioxidants than other organic coffees. Purity Coffee uses third-party labs to test for pesticides, mold, mycotoxins, and heavy metals. Purity Coffee also uses a proprietary roasting protocol that retains high levels of bioactive compounds and that have been linked to specific health benefits and is especially supportive of the heart and liver, which Anne Louise writes about in Radical Metabolism and Radical Longevity. Go to puritycoffee.com and enter coupon code ALG25 for 25% off your first order. That's puritycoffee.com and enter coupon code ALG25 for 25% off your first order. And now back to the podcast. So if you see a patient that comes in, with clear signs of Alzheimer's, what kind of test would you order? 
Typically, we're going to start with some blood tests. Uh, these, they're, they're, when I say there are no blood tests for Alzheimer's, that's kind of a half-truth. We are starting to see the emergence of commercially available blood testing. Uh, one is called the Precivity, P-R-E-C-I-V-I-T-Y-A-D test. Um, this is an FDA-approved test. It was developed out of Washington University in St. Louis. However, currently there is no re insurance reimbursement for Precivity. So we'll see, you know, not as many uh, Precivity tests being ordered until that gets sorted out. And uh, just not to digress too much on Precivity, as I've done quite a few of them with patients, is it's important to really understand what that test is telling us and what it's not telling us. So we're using it with the right patients and then giving them the correct you know, interpretation or information based on those test results. But to go back, we're going to get blood tests. I'm going to get a standard MRI of the brain. Ideally, I am going to uh, order what is called quantitative 3D volumetric analysis. And I know that's a mouthful, but uh -huh. basically this is software that is added on to the standard MRI. It's not available everywhere. A couple of brands, if you will, much like uh, thinking about, you know, brands of word processing, you know, different word processing packages like Microsoft Word, you know, and then there's Apple has its own or whatever, Apple Write, I think it's called something like that. But anyway, um, these are, one is called NeuroReader. Another one is called NeuroQuant. These are very, very helpful here at Charlotte Health and Neurology. We have access, direct access to NeuroReader. In our community, we do have NeuroQuant. Um, both have their advantages and disadvantages, but they're excellent, uh, a huge help. And I often do genetic testing specifically for what is called APOE4, which is one gene that is well-recognized to increase the risk of developing Alzheimer's disease. So those are the basic tests that I'm going to order. And what if a patient comes in with something like, God forbid, ALS? So again, and I should say that all these major diagnoses, whether it's ALS, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's disease, et cetera, multiple sclerosis, there are specific diagnostic criteria that are used to make the diagnosis that will incorporate the testing that we do. So with ALS, it's called the Gold Coast Criteria. Um, there's that This is a relatively new set of criteria that's replaced the uh, previous criteria used uh, to diagnose ALS. The main test, if you will, that is used is the nerve conduction EMG test. However, very often things like vitamin B12 are checked uh, not to confuse B12 deficiency with ALS, uh, often a cervical spine MRI because uh, some of the findings of ALS uh, could be confused with a condition called cervical stenosis in which there is a narrowing around the spinal cord and the neck. But the cornerstone gold standard, if you will, uh, uh, tool, again, after a history, after an examination, would be the EMG. 
And God forbid, if somebody comes in with Parkinson's, which is the fastest growing neurological disease with one in 15 patients these days, what do you do to def definitively call Parkinson's Parkinson's? Yes, that one gets a little bit trickier. We do have a couple of tests that have, you know, that are helpful. One is called a dopamine transporter scan or DAT scan for short. It is a type of nuclear medicine scan. For those of you who might be familiar with Amen Clinics, it uses the uh, SPECT scan, yeah. kind of their signature thing. Uh, DAT scan is a type of SPECT scan. It's actually a blood flow test, but it uses this tracer, uh, this dopamine transporter tracer. So that is used. And more recently, we've been doing um, skin punch biopsies on our patients with suspected Parkinson's because the protein that accumulates in the brain, and actually has been found in the gut as well, and also accumulates in the tissue, this protein called alpha-synuclein uh, can be detected in the skin and it does move us in that general direction of Parkinson's disease. The caveat here is that we call diseases in which there is an accumulation of this alpha-synuclein protein, that's A-L-P-H-A-S-Y-N-U-C-L-E-I-N, alpha-synuclein. And then if we say it's a disease that is associated with alpha-synuclein, sometimes we'll use the term synuclein apathy, okay? And it turns out that there are a handful of synucleinopathy diseases, and the shortcoming of whether you do a DAT scan or whether you do a skin punch biopsy is that we are not able to distinguish essentially under the microscope or on the DAT scan between these diseases versus Parkinson's disease. So some examples are Lewy body dementia, uh, the so-called multiple systems atrophy disorders, uh, and Parkinson's disease itself. Have you seen a rise in these neurological diseases? We certainly have. And I, I should say for your listeners, too, that very often what ends up happening on the Parkinson's disease front is that the gold standard medical treatment for Parkinson's disease, which is levodopa, carbidopa, or Cinemet, uh, really only works very effectively for Parkinson's disease. So it is not uncommon if Parkinson's is suspected, and even if you want to confirm things with a DAT scan or a skin punch biopsy, then to go ahead and treat and we consider that both a therapeutic as well as a diagnostic trial because only Parkinson's disease will robustly respond to levodopa therapy. Wasn't, that, were, wasn't that taken off the market for a little bit, doctor? Not to my knowledge, no. I haven't seen that in my office, not, not levodopa. Is Cinemat the same as levodopa? It is. Yeah, I think one of my clients was telling me maybe he was mistaken. But why do you think they may be on the rise? Do you think there's an environmental component? I do think that environment and lifestyle both play a role. You know, when I first started paying a whole lot of attention to the prevalence of diseases like Alzheimer's, 
say back in 2015, I think the Alzheimer's Association estimate was somewhere between 5.4 and 5.6 million Americans with Alzheimer's disease. Now in 2022, the estimate is 6.4 million Americans. So that's gone up by a full million. But what's also shocking is a recent paper that was published in the peer-reviewed journal that suggested that one out of 10 adults over the age of 65 suffers from dementia. Mm. And, and that was actually based on 2016 data. How interesting. I've also wondered whether COVID has anything to do with the rise of neurological disorders. There, there is definitely, there has been quite a bit of publication on that subject. Uh, there's, I think I read something like 40 different neurological diseases that are exacerbated or related to COVID. Uh, so we will see a major rate in a major rise in the rate of these diseases secondary to COVID. I've had many of my Alzheimer's patients who are doing well get COVID and unfortunately take a turn for the worse. Very, There's very, no sad. doubt. Very, yes. very sad. Do you think the diet plays a, an integral role in all of this? I absolutely do believe that diet plays a major role. You know, I I give relatively equal weight to the, all of the major lifestyle factors. We have for a long time in our society dismissed the importance of sleep. In fact, there was a period of time I remember where it was not uncommon to brag about how much you could skip sleep. You know, oh, I can get by on only four hours. I don't need more than that, the kind of thing. I'm still performing at my best. But now we know that seven to eight hours of high quality restful sleep is critical for normal brain and body function. And that includes the treatment of sleep apnea, which is of course reaching epidemic proportions in conjunction with the diabetes epidemic. But sleep is critical. Nutrient dense, you know, anti-inflammatory diets are critical. Um, exercise or movement, you know, we have a you know, we have so many conveniences in our lives that make it easy to not move our bodies. Um, and we have to be moving. We don't all have to be going to the gymnasium to work out, uh, but we have to be moving all day long, except for when we're sleeping, we should be on the move. And how we deal with stress in our lives, I think I tell my patients having a sort of a stress resilience muscle is is so important uh maybe one of the, the most important things because if if our brains are in stress mode it doesn't really matter what we eat right uh because then we're just in survival mode and and that's not a time of digestion and then unfortunately the last piece of this probably exacerbated by social media is relationships the problem of loneliness, particularly in our older adults, is also reached has also reached epidemic proportions. But I know that even young people, teenagers, suffer from loneliness, and we see a rise in the rate of suicide, you know, among teenagers who feel lonely despite being surrounded by family and friends and classmates and so forth. So we have to be keenly aware of the relationships we have with others. 
Hi, my friends. Before I go any further, let me take a moment to, to acknowledge my sponsor, Unikey Health, unikeyhealth.com, which is your universal key to health since 1992. I have been a spokesperson for this company for over 30 years. They're the home of all my weight loss plans, the Fat Blasting Bio Builder, which has been featured in national magazines. They also carry the ultimate brain support and the magnesium multitasker. So whether it's weight loss, internal cleansing, or just targeted health support, go to unikeyhealth.com. Tell them Anne Louise sent you. Do you think there are any key supplements that are the foundation of your program? I do think that there are some foundational supplements, but I should definitely emphasize that supplements are not treatments. And if we're not willing to do the other things that are far more foundational than taking the supplements, the supplements will have very little impact. That being said, the things that we commonly see need attention include vitamin D, uh, almost everyone has low vitamin D levels. It's not supplementing. Uh, attention to the balance between omega-3 and omega-6 fatty acids. So most people are getting way too much omega-6, particularly arachidonic acid, and not enough of the omega-3s, particularly the animal-sourced omega-3 fatty acids, meaning DHA and EPA. Do you like turmeric? I love turmeric. I think turmeric uh, can certainly be taken as a supplement, but it also makes a wonderful ingredient in curry. And we encourage our patients to not only consider taking turmeric, but to explore foods that incorporate turmeric into their diet. So in your practice, what I'm learning is that you use conventional diagnostic modalities to figure out underlying causes and then combine integrative medicine practices as therapies. Am I correct? We use conventional diagnostic modalities to give the diseases a name, to give the concerns that people come to me about you know, a name so that they can understand what is going on. There is some wonderful work that historically has come out of Harvard University, but it's really part of what it, of medical anthropology and sociology as well that really uh, focuses on the narrative and the patient narrative specifically, or the illness narrative, as it's called. This is the work of Dr. Arthur Kleinman. And the way that our brains tend to work is for us to move beyond the search for meaning, what is going on with me, and, you know, and ultimately get into a place of, okay, what can we do about it? We have to have a name for what's going on. So that is really just the beginning. But the other piece of it, I wish I could tell you, Anne-Louise, that uh, taking this you know, diet and lifestyle approach was going to cure everything. But the problem right now is that these diseases that I deal with uh, are so complex that what we mostly see is that if we are willing to incorporate the diet and lifestyle and environmental components to the management of disease, our patients improve dramatically and the overall course of their illness is much slower, uh, much less impactful in terms of function in their lives, but they're not, we're not yet curing 
these diseases with diet and lifestyle. So we have to sort of practice this sort of quantum physics philosophy of medicine, whereby we still want to be patient-centered, person-centered, and recognize that the causes of the disease for a given person are different than the causes of disease for another person, even if they have the same disease, and really get to know that person as an individual so we can help them move things along the trajectory that will ultimately lead to improvement for them. But we have to know something about the disease because sometimes these illnesses sort of have a life of their own. Um, and so it's a bit of a juggling act as a neurologist where I have to know the disease management piece, how that is handled, and then get to know the person to really raise the tide uh, for that person and get them to a much, much better place with their condition. It puts them back in the driver's seat. I like that. Now, I don't know many integrative neurologists, but my listeners might want to consult with you. Do you do telemedicine? Yes and no. So it's important, you know, we do, we do have a lot of, of coaches out there offering telehealth services, but I am a clinician. I'm a licensed practicing physician, and the only state in which I am licensed is the state of Missouri. So if we, you know, if you're in California and you want to meet with me, we might have sort of a meet and greet but that's really an invitation for you to come out and visit me in Missouri because I cannot practice medicine until you're in the state of Missouri. That's known as place of service. Once you have seen me in Missouri over the next 12 months, if we have a follow-up visit, you've come from a distance, we can certainly do some telemedicine visits as follow-ups. But beyond a year, the place of, of service goes back to where you are not where I am. So again, if you're in California, that would be me practicing medicine in California without a license. So we do see some telemedicine and we use it weekly, but, but generally speaking, these are going to be follow-up visits or what we call sort of meet and greet visits because we do ask people to pay for their care with us. This is a direct pay model when it comes to functional medicine, as is typical of most functional medicine practices. Yeah. So where you're being asked to invest, uh, usually people say, I wanna get to know this guy. I wanna know if I can trust him. And that's a lot of times where at least those initial visits come into play and then an invitation, hey, you know, come to Ozark so we can work together. Are you near St. Louis? Well, we're about three and a half hours west of St. Louis. So we're, we're down in southwest Missouri. So where would we fly to? Uh, it's the Springfield Branson Regional Airport. Oh. You could fly to St. Louis or you could fly to uh, Kansas City, for example, uh, but you would have to rent a car from there. I see. So you've written several books. The Healthy Brain Toolbox, is that a good primer for people? Well, I certainly highly recommend the Healthy Brain Toolbox. And then we have a book that is used in the office as the sort of food Bible for our patients as we teach them about food as medicine. But the Healthy Brain Toolbox is really going to share the philosophy and the foundations of of what our brain tune-up program is all about. And again, that does start with making a diagnosis, but then we're going to get into the other pillars, 
which are to investigate the root causes, and then how do you integrate all of that information into a plan that you can actually execute, that you can put together, right? Getting tons of information isn't always helpful unless you know what to do with it, and unless it's a workable plan. You know, you can overwhelm yourself with gadgets and supplements and, you know, and so forth, and then get very burned out quickly and not do any of it, of course. Do you think there are any adjunctive therapies that would be helpful, like hyperbaric oxygen? Sure. I think there are many, many adjunctive therapies that are helpful, and hyperbaric oxygen is one of them. Uh, some others that we use off and on include things like transcranial electrical stimulation, uh, sauna, infrared light, uh, even things like um, using sound as therapy. Binaural rhythms are very good. We do a lot of work with heart mass, inner balance uh, technology in our clinic to work on that stress resilience muscle. My patients often have questions about whether they should use these types of devices, all of them get the inner balance device if they participate in our program and we, we coach them through that. But as far as the other modalities are concerned, uh, I say, look, you know, again, you have 24 hours in the day, you have seven to eight hours that you are going to be asleep and then you have a life, you have to enjoy your life and you're gonna be spending some of that time eating, moving your body, interacting with others. So we have to decide how much of your time you can spend doing these other things. If your day is spent scheduling in all of these extra modalities and you have no life outside of jumping from the sauna to the hyperbaric chamber, not only is that going to be very expensive, but it's probably not going to last. And if people need to get in touch with you, Dr. Charlin, how do they do that? Through, through your clinic? Our website is a wonderful resource, and that is func functional medicine. So it's all one word, functionalmedicine.doctor, and doctor is spelled out. So HTTPS colon slash slash functionalmedicine.doctor. We also have a presence on Facebook, Charlin Health and Neurology. We have uh, our regeneration center where we're uh, pioneering some uh, regenerative medicine uh, treatments using mesenchymal stem cells. Uh, and all of those have their own uh, resources, websites, et cetera. But the main portal that I would recommend is the website. You know, I'm noticing on your book that the forward was done by Terry Walls. Can you tell me why she inspired you so much? Well, Terry definitely is an inspiring individual, and we've become very good friends over the years. But when I got interested in functional medicine and started to attend conferences through the Institute for Functional Medicine, I made an effort to connect with the thought leaders in my field as I was growing into my own thought leadership position. And Terry was one of the first people I met and really gave me one of the first breaks that I ever had by inviting me to speak at her annual conference. That was her second annual conference, probably back in about 2016, July 2016. And I've been very fortunate to speak at every annual conference since that time and many other conferences, both for her and uh, in association with other or major organizations within the 
regenerative and functional medicine arena. But it was really about building relationships and that people know her story and reversing her multiple sclerosis disability. So I have to remind people that remember Terry Wall still has MS and she doesn't stay with her functional medicine program. She would get very sick, right? So it's not about curing diseases. It's about giving our bodies what it what they need so that we can function despite these diseases. I love that. Do you have any parting words for my listeners on First Lady? I would just like to tell people that you know, when you get a diagnosis from a conventional doctor, even if they mean very well or they're very well educated, too often these diagnoses and the traditional approach just zaps us of our hope, zaps us of our dreams, takes us out of the driver's seat. And in general, the most that it asks of us is to take a pill every day. And you don't have to accept that. There is so much that you can do. It is very important to surround yourself with a team of individuals who are experienced and trained in this arena and who know how to guide you step by step by step through this process. You will feel empowered and rewarded and you will feel back in the driver's seat. And in the end, you will benefit greatly by feeling like you have your life back. I love that. Thank you so much for being my guest. And I hope you'll come back if you make some more wonderful discoveries. Can we count on you? Absolutely. Thank you, Dr. Ken Charlin. And thank you all my listeners of First Lady of Nutrition. We're now trending in Portugal and Paraguay, by the way, doing very well in Australia. And I hope that you tell everybody about the Healthy Brain Toolbox, which is Dr. Ken Charlin's newest book. So I want to wish you a wonderful week full of shalom, peace, and blessings. Lots of love. don't forget to subscribe and like First Lady of Nutrition podcast. Thank you so very much.